You're listening to Legally Bliss Conversations. This podcast reclaims and rewrites the stories female attorneys have been told about how we should practice law, grow our businesses, treat our clients, treat ourselves, and craft our identities as female attorneys. We'll hear inspiring stories from current and former female attorneys, the ones who question the stories they've been told, the ones who aren't afraid to live boldly and step into their own power. We'll learn from women who define success on their terms. Through lighthearted and curious conversation, we'll unpack the challenges these inspiring female attorneys have already navigated. So join me on this journey. You'll be empowered and ready to rewrite a completely new story about what is possible for you. Hi there. I'd like to welcome everyone to Legally Bliss Conversations and a very warm welcome today to Francesca Witzberg. Francesca is an award-winning intellectual property attorney and brand protection expert representing top businesses, entrepreneurs, brands, and celebrities in real life and the metaverse. Inspired by a love of culture and arts, she helps businesses monetize their intellectual property and stay protected and profitable with their current and forward-thinking business models, including NFTs and Web3. Francesca is currently a partner at the nationally ranked women-owned and led law firm, Loza and Loza. Francesca is passionate about intellectual property and frequently writes, speaks, and teaches on the subject. In her spare time, she loves to read, write, run, and Peloton. Welcome, Francesca. I'm so happy you're here with me today. Thank you so much, Susie. I've been waiting for this, so I'm really excited to chat with you. Yeah, let's talk about you. Let's talk about your journey into law. I always like knowing why did you decide to go to law school? Sure. It it is literally the most cliche story. So someone at some point in my family told me, you know, I was probably a very energetic five-year-old that liked to argue. And someone in my family said, okay, you're going to make a good lawyer. (laughs) And it just kind of stuck with me. Um, I grew up in a family business. So I watched my, I watched two generations of a family construction company and I would work there and got to see what it's like to, to operate businesses. And when I went to college, I went to Villanova, I studied abroad and I got this experience that made me realize that there is just this incredible, amazing world out there. And although I love to travel, I had this incredible opportunity to really study and pursue a career living next to one of the biggest cities in the world that is New York City. So it's almost like I had to go somewhere far away to realize how how lucky I was growing up in New Jersey, right outside of the city. So all that, you know, combined really made me decide to apply to law school. Um, I had no idea what I really wanted to do. I thought I wanted to do immigration law, but getting there, I realized that that's when all like the spark went off. Um, My love for fashion, art, entertainment, business um, really culminated when I learned what intellectual property law was. And so I learned that there were lawyers that advised businesses and and helped them protect all of their creative works. And I just fell in love with it and didn't look back. 
That's awesome. So at what point in law school did that really hit you? Like where you really saw kind of that fusion of all those different areas that interested you and intellectual property? So I started taking some classes that were run by incredible professors, but really I would say the alumni, the alumni network, it was so cool to go to an event and be sitting across the table with, um, you know, I could just picture my eyes as like a young, young person hearing the stories of the entertainment lawyers that were going back and forth between New York and LA to represent clients, um, general counsels of global luxury fashion brands and so much more i realized that the law intellectual property law encompassed a variety of industries and so that's really what i also loved about it was everyone has ip um, whether you're a content creator or a fortune 500 company or just a startup business uh, these are things that apply to pretty much everyone yeah so you um graduated from law school and did you pretty quickly go into big law right after I started at a boutique firm. So someone told me that, you know, if you really want to, you really want to be an expert and you really want to be a good lawyer, the, and it's the best advice, um, pick a skill, like work for a firm and just learn as much as you can about one area of the law so that you can become an expert in it. And there's different ways to do this. This is not for everyone. You know, you could definitely go in-house right away. But for me, that, advice shifted my experience. So I ended up working at an intellectual property boutique firm in Manhattan for a few years. And then I moved to <clears throat> a big law firm having that experience. Um, and then from there, uh, I moved as a partner to where I am today. So will you talk a little bit, just to kind of give people a fair warning, about your experience, your experience in big law versus uh, versus the boutique firm. Yes, yes. Okay, so I should set. I should say that I started at a boutique. I moved to big law, and now I'm back at a boutique. But my first experience was a junior. I mean, like green baby lawyer. Really, uh, didn't know anything. They they took a gamble on me, and they invested a lot of time, and I am grateful for that firm today um then i moved to big law and also they took a gamble on me too and it was an incredible experience i learned so much and got to work with some of the biggest global brands and celebrities and got to do some really cool stuff uh with the team so um and i'm very open about this i talk about my my burnout in big law so it was my dream job, truly. I mean, I loved the group, loved the firm, loved the practice. And unfortunately, what happened for me is that I ended up just really putting so much pressure on myself and overextending myself. And I, I, I hit burnout. I hit burnout in 2019. And I was desperate to find a way to kind of like reset my mind if anyone's ever had burnout it's awful it's the worst um you know like i was having panic attacks and then i was also pregnant um and my i gave birth to my son early in the middle of the pandemic and that was the moment where i was like okay you know maybe i need a change in my in my life to really reset my priorities and then i ended up going back to a boutique but as a partner, and I did this strategically, I said, I want the next move. I don't, you know, I want the move to be a partner level. 
And so that I can work on my own and build my own book of business, which was terrifying, but that's pretty much, you know, the, my, my legal history. You have an entrepreneurial spirit and it was likely handed down from you, um, from your family's construction. Like I can tell that that has inspired you. So I would love to know a little bit about your entrepreneurial spirit and how it guides you as a partner in your firm and kind of how you run your day-to-day now compared to when you were a little bit more of a cog, like in a big law firm, because obviously your role is you're wearing a lot more hats. Definitely. But I will say, I want to encourage people, whether or not you have an entrepreneurial role eventually, whether you start your own business or you're a partner or whatever it is, I like to encourage everyone to be entrepreneurial. I don't care if you're um, in corporate America and you are going to grind it out until you become an executive, you still have to have an entrepreneurial spirit. You are your brand. You know, the business is important, but you, they are hiring you. And so your name, your reputation, the content that you're putting out, how you present yourself, your networking, all of that is super critical. So instead of just falling into the, you know, falling into the same path that everyone falls, that gets into where you think you work for a company and you are that person, you are, you are the company. Um, It's especially for lawyers who are in big law, it really, it encompasses you, you know, you define yourself. I had a really hard experience breaking up with big law and like redefining myself because for so long I defined myself by where I worked. I mean, think about the legal industry, Susie. We don't say what we do when we're introduced to people. We say, oh, I'm a lawyer. So it's like this identity and I really encourage all employees wherever you are to take ownership of your personal brand, whether or not you decide to stay there or because things happen, companies um, change, they go under or there's new companies that may attract you. And also, too, I even think internally that if you want to build your brand and show who you are to the upper your your supers and your supervisors and the people who are going to promote you, you have to have a brand. So whatever your intentions are um, and with that is being entrepreneurial, really taking ownership of your of yourself and your brand and building that out. I think that's like the, my mission. I want everyone, I want to share with everyone. So let me ask you this. Okay. So before our conversation, I did a little stalking, of course. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And I saw like, you have your website, francescawitzberg.com. Okay. And then it's, you also are part of your law firm website, Lotsa and Lotsa. It's different, right? It's, it's different, right? But let me ask you this. Do you think when you were in big law, um, would they have encouraged you or even permitted you to kind of have, have such a standalone brand that you have now? I can't speak for my former firm, but I will say that it's probably unlikely. Um, and I don't think it's just big law. I think it's companies in general. They get really nervous. I mean, I had, I had a call with a fabulous and super smart young woman. She 
is a law student and she blew up on TikTok. She has like 500, I mean, 500,000, that's half a million, half a million yeah. people follow her. And, and she's interviewing at places that are telling her to delete the account. I'm like, what? This is, that's advertising for your business. That's PR for your business. If Like I, I'm hoping she comes and works for me <laughs> and yeah. we're going to try to get her in and as an intern. But like, I saw that immediately and was like, that's a no brainer. She's smart and she's out there and she's has that entrepreneurial spirit that I, that I really admire. And I know that's what it requires right now in our, in our world. So I came to the firm and, and basically, I don't even really know how it happened. I think I told her, the woman who runs the firm, Tina Loza, um, I said, you know, I have no clients, I, but I have a great network and I have passion. And if you hire me, I will bring in business. Like we will figure it out. But the way that I need to do so is I need to build my own site. Mm -hmm. I need to start a social media account. I need to be on TikTok. And she was like, that is so cool. <laughs> I am all for it. And she's been so supportive in the yeah. firm. Her, her and her husband who run it together, Tina and Julio, they've been super supportive, which people say they're like, that's so crazy yeah. that you have two separate websites or that they let you do your own branding. And like, I have my own logos. Yeah, I think that for me personally, I think it's a beautiful thing, but I do when I saw that, I was like, that's so cool that, sh that you are permitted to do that because it's not necessarily, um, the norm. So, um, how I think it will become the norm. I do because this is, you know, the generation that you and I grew up in, it was where Facebook was only private and you only put up right. pictures of you and your friends hanging out. And yeah. if you were younger, maybe doing stuff that you wouldn't want your parents or um, an employer, <laughs> definitely not an employer to see. So, but that has changed. The first thing I do when I look at resumes is I'm on LinkedIn. I want to see who they are. Are they posting? Are they engaged? Do they, who are they? Like, yeah. what's their personality? And um, then I'll see if I can get on their Facebook or their Instagram. And I'm, all I'm looking for is like, who is this person? I want to know who this person is. And I think we're shifting into this new environment where that is people are embracing social media almost as like an extension of themselves. So you have yourself in the in the real world and it's not unrelated. Like this definitely has to do with COVID and everything being virtual. So where you can't physically meet people, you have to be online. Mm -hmm. You have to have your own um, presence and your brand on the internet. And we do that through social. Mm -hmm. Would you talk a little bit about um, our social media presence um, and just how important that is to not have certain types of photographs on there <laughs> because it is the extension yes. of, of our brand now. Yes. Okay. So a hundred percent, um, you have to be very, I think it comes down to being intentional. Mm -hmm. You have to be extremely intentional with what you post. Now there's a difference between being intentional and not posting something because you think it's quote unquote unprofessional. Okay. So there's, and I say quote unquote, because I think people put way too much in this unprofessional category. I mean, I put a picture of me and a selfie drinking coffee at, at the beach um, with a hat, a cap on and glasses. And that picture is seen by my corporate clients, in-house counsel and like execs on LinkedIn. But 
that that's who I am. There's no nothing wrong with I'm not a robot. I'm not always in a suit. I don't sleep in a blazer. And people want, it's refreshing. People want to see who you are. They want to see your personality. So I think focus less on like what, I would say just, just, just focused on putting your content out there and expressing yourself and being authentic. Mm-hmm. But don't post something that you wouldn't want your mom or your grandma to see. I think grandma is like the good test, right? Grandma. The grandma test. Do we want grandma to see this? (laughs) Like, and I'm saying that because you could post whatever the heck you want. Like, like, like I will never tell anyone you could go you like if you want to post and you're confident, whatever, but I'm talking about business. Mm -hmm. So it's straddling that line between being professional and authentic. Um, and if there's not always an answer, there's not, but you have to use your best judgment. And I've definitely put stuff out there that have like pushed the boundaries a little of, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't wear makeup in all of my stuff. And, um, you know, I, I will just put, I will show people as I am in, in daily life and how I actually, um, work and how I actually live my life. You know, I'm going to, I really want to commend you for that. I, as a fellow attorney, a fellow uh, female, a fellow runner, one of the things, one of the things that really first kind of caught my attention with you was you, you did maybe like a five minute video it was on Instagram and you had just gone for a run or you were getting ready to, and it was so like non-scripted. I think you had like, I mean, you had your running stuff on, right? Like you were just a real person. And I love that. I was like, wait, she's cool. She's someone that anyone can talk to. She's very authentic about who she is. Um, And and for me, like, I find that really attractive about someone, right? Who's not always like in the suit and kind of rigid, but it just really, and I can't even remember exactly what it was you were talking about, but the message itself, like, I just remember it really resonated. So I think that that's a good lesson, right? You like, just said the word resonate, connect. I was able to connect with you. I, and by reading, like, because you said you did some stalking, do you feel like you got to see a little bit of who I am? That's the point of these videos is, and, and, and I'm a biz, I'm in business. This is not a nonprofit. Like I am intentionally using it to, help build my business. But what people think is you don't just skip and you say, oh, I need people to hire me. There's relationships that are built. You have to build relationships. You have to build, um, people need to know, like, and trust you before they hire you. And so when I think the fact that COVID shutting down everything and forcing me to use online as a way to reconnect with people or build new relationships. It just made it so obvious to me that this is the direction we're going in a society. More and more things are going to be online, but the this, this rules are still there. You have to build authentic relationships. And if I can do anything in my videos to help people show them who I am, that I'm really good at my job, but also I'm a trustworthy person and I'm going to actually advise you to, to benefit you, then that's half the battle. And so by the time I have calls with people, they know who I am, they know my background. It's really just a matter of if they're ready to work with me or not. Let's take a quick pause for a message from my sponsor, Prominent Practice. 
Are you thinking about a career transition from big law or partnership to a solo practice, selling your practice, or maybe you're launching a project unrelated to law? Whatever the reason for your transition, you'll need support along the way. Enter Prominent Practice, an executive consulting and marketing firm specializing in branding, positioning, and reputation management for transitioning attorneys. Founded by a female entrepreneur who spent a decade building smart digital platforms for thought leaders before pivoting to focus on high-end service providers who were preparing for successions, mergers, and acquisition events in their businesses. If you're thinking about making a big business move, don't risk losing the ability to leverage the reputation you've spent your career building. Let Prominent Practice be your guide. Visit prominentpractice.com slash bliss for an exclusive introduction. Right. So I think that's fantastic advice. Um, I'm curious, who or what inspires you? Oh, okay. So Gary V was definitely the person that, I mean, I will say it was my husband and my nanny at the time. My nanny is like, she was 22 years old and was telling me, you need to make a TikTok. You have to get on TikTok. And then my husband said, create, start with Instagram and also, and also TikTok. And he made me listen to Gary V's um, book, Crushing It. So I listened to that September of 2020, where it was still really COVID was here. People weren't going back in person and it, it like the light bulb went off. I just realized that this is, this is what I have to do. If I want to build my brand and my business as quickly as possible, I have every single tool. It's all here. I don't even need to leave my house. I have all the tools in front of me. Isn't that fascinating? It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you, that was the end of 2020. That was kind of when COVID was pretty, yeah, it was still around pretty uh, aggressively. I think it spiked again during like in the summer and the fall. Yeah. Yeah. And so over the past, okay, 2020, well, I mean, technically, you know, the, I guess the president came out and said something like, the pandemic is over and I'm doing air quotes right now. Yeah. So I, you know, I don't even really know. I live in the country, so it's very different. My, my experience with COVID has been very different than many people. Oh, definitely. I, we were in New York city. I was in New York city in New Jersey. It was insane it, where people are on top of each other. I mean, you can't walk down the street and have a foot of space. That's impossible. So it, we got hit extremely hard and People were sick, people were dying, people were stuck at home with their kids. It, it was just so such a crazy time for so many people. And so instead of just, I also had my son two months early, but I really like surrounded myself and constantly was reading and listening to content um, that it motivated me and saw this as like, okay, this is the silver lining. You're stuck at home. You, you're going to put all your energy into building this. You're going to build your platform. You're going to build your business and that's it. Stop watching the news. I don't watch the news anymore. Like it's, I, I really got super intentional and focused on this. What has been the biggest thing that you've learned over the last year, having 
like working with um, the firm that you're at now, as well as wor working really hard on building your own personal brand? Oh my gosh. You know, it's, it's relentless, grueling work every day. It like, that's really, I would say, if you actually want to do this, if you want to build your brand, if you want to uh, build your business and get clients, this isn't something where you email a couple people and you call it a day. Um, there's like this dichotomy um, between what we see on Instagram, because people only put up the success, you know, people aren't talking, I'm not showing you, maybe I should show you the days where like, I want to break and I, I want to. <laughs> well, talk about you know? yesterday. I mean, yesterday was, sounds like it was a grueling day. You're right. And I did post, I posted like, no, I'm over commuting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, and well, yesterday I did my first, yeah. Oh, no, I had Susie. Oh, I was gonna say that yesterday was a major commute for you, right? Like you commuted to a different city and back what was like probably a two hour flight both ways, plus the travel to the airport, all of the things. So it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and here you are and you're still like, you're still like producing, right? You're still, you're still kicking and doing it. I mean, you know, look what you've built. How, but what was going on behind the scenes? I mean, what did it take for you to build this? I mean, I've been balancing a law practice as well. So, you know, really, <laughs> really the goal. Yeah. So the goal, you know, for me to, is to like, ultimately have my Legally Bliss community and my podcast. Um, and I'm only posting the good things on Instagram. I think maybe I will start posting the crazy stuff though. <laughs> I think you should because, and I will too, okay? Because I do it a little bit, but it's important. I do it usually in lives where I'm just like, holy shit, I had that to get up at five. Yeah. My kids were screaming and <laughs> now I have to start my day. But like, it is another way and it all comes back to authentic authenticity sure. and letting people see you for really who you are. Um, not just this rigid lawyer that's a robot that you don't know what they're saying and you're too embarrassed to ask them what you're, yeah. what you're saying. It's kind of, um, I think it's all um, part of it. Yeah, it, it all is part of it. And it's kind of like when I did your introduction, like just a minute ago and completely flubbed it, right? Like, <laughs> you're just like, okay, whatever. You let's, know? Go. let's go. Let's <laughs> go. Um, so yeah, I think that at some point I've always, I've joked that I have to have kind of like a bloopers reel for, for this podcast, because there are plenty of them. So let me ask you about your current experience. Um, are you, are you doing primarily trademark work? I guess just intellectual property in general. Um, and I, I really like to dig in a little bit with you on, um, web three and nfts and kind of how all that interplays yes. because i am i'm very honestly ignorant when it comes to that and I, I would love to know a little bit more about how that kind of integrates into your overall ip practice yes so i am an intellectual property expert um just as that person told me you know when i was graduating from law school you really want to become an expert in one area definitely the core of my expertise when it comes down to it is trademarks copyright, trademarks and copyrights. Those are two of the fundamental pieces to my business. Our firm does patents and also I think Trade Secrets is an amazing tool. So other IP tools, absolutely. 
But, um, and then uh, the last piece is also contracts. So if there's IP focused businesses that have some element of intellectual property, and let's be real, most, most are, um, if you really look at it that way, then I'll do contracts related to that. And um, how does Web3 play in? Gosh, well, right now, I mean, if you think about it, we are talking in a metaverse, right? You and I have not met in person. The people watching this video uh, and listening to the audio, they have not met, met me. This is virtual contact. This, it's a virtual world that we're in. So that's for one, it's we're already in the metaverse. Uh, technically, you know, we are already in this virtual world. Um, but what the word metaverse with a capital M has been referring to are two things. So the metaverse that people use with a capital M theoretically is going to be one day all of the individual metaverses like all the VR software apps that and, and the virtual apps that people are building will all one day link and be a virtual world that basically sits on top of our existing world, um, which is kind of crazy. <laughs> But for now, when people say metaverse, like there's um, sand, the sandbox is one, uh, Decentraland is one. Those all it is is just software. Someone built out a platform. You could access it on the browser for some of them, or if you put your VR headset on, you'll be actually immersed in the software. But um, gaming has been, you know, there's been gaming metaverses for forever until the term metaverse became super popular. And then Web3 is just the next evolution of the internet. So the way that um, we can think about it is Web1 was the first invention of the internet where it was a static page where it said, hello, comma world, I think was the first internet post. Um, then the people, the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world took the internet. So they took the technology that was created and then they used that to birth social media as we know it and user-generated content platforms and Amazon, all those, that's web two. So that's what we're in right now. And web three is just the next evolution of it, but it is also um, set to be based in blockchain technology and decentralized, meaning you don't, may not know who's running these platforms, which the reality is most of the big ones that have really been leaders in Web3 are centralized. They're publicly traded companies. They want brands to do business on their platform in Web3. So that's a very interesting conversation. And then the law is just the law, whether or not you're an in-person store or you sell online or you're in Web3, the law is the law. So that's kind of how I, um, you know, you have to be creative and you have to understand the technology to apply it but it's the same thing how I can advise a business that has a standalone brick and mortar store. I can also advise an e-com shop or social media client. And then I can also advise um, Web3 clients. So is the law going to be able to keep up with the evolution of technology? I, I think so. A hundred percent. I mean, think about when the internet was invented, people were freaking out. And there's articles where people were saying that, you know, this is the death of intellectual property. How are people going to be able to enforce their rights when with a click of a button, you can transmit someone's IP instantaneously across multiple countries um, 
in in multiple copies it freaked people out but so of course some of the laws either had to be adapted or enacted to clarify that they apply like the digital millennium copyright act which allows for copyright owners to take down um unauthorized use of their photos it's it's going to be the same thing but in the meantime we're we are still using the same tools. The major gap right now is where it comes with um, the blockchain and crypt their crypto domain names, where you know um, you can get a brand name that a brand hasn't bought yet that's selling for five hundred thousand dollars in when converted into U.S. dollars. So that's there's really no clear way to regulate those or how to do takedowns yet. So that's an area that we'll have to watch. Yeah. Okay. That's going to be interesting to watch. So we will talk about that again in like six months. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you, um, you also teach, right? You're also, um, you're, are you a professor at Cardoza? Did I see that? I was. I did a semester teaching, but I'm always there. I'm always talking. I mentor a lot of students. I ended up I created a law school mastermind course that was awesome and it had a in person not in person a virtual element where like 15 young bright women were in this like mentoring group and it was phenomenal but i am just super <laughs> i've swamped and i don't want to go back into burnout i've learned my lesson and so what i'm doing is i put the course up on it's on on demand anyone can watch it um so if, when i get law students who come in and want to know like tips um they can go there and i'm doing lives i think i have a workshop next week for law students that's awesome where can people find the the one that's is it sitting on your website it's on law school mastermind that is it's not a website it's just the instagram law school mastermind right now okay Awesome. So there was, um, I had asked you what, kind of during our initial conversations, what is your uh, must share strategy or piece of advice for young lawyers today? And you said something really interesting and you said, I don't know if you remember, so I'll remind you, but you said bet on yourself. And I want to know what that means to you. Yes. Okay. So bet on, bet on yourself. You know what's funny is I made a post a couple months ago that got backlash, like not like super controversial backlash, but people pushed back on it. I said that, I think I said something along the lines that from listening to all these business top business people, the one point of advice that they wish they could go back and redo was they all wish they could start earlier. And people were no, this experience, I needed to go through this. I didn't, I couldn't start my business 10 years ago. And I thought that was so interesting because I didn't interpret it that way. I didn't interpret it like, no, you had to start your business 10 years ago, even though you didn't learn or you didn't work under someone. Um, what that means is just start, start living your life that you want to live, start pursuing what actually makes you happy. And if it is this business goal that you have in mind, begin today, don't wait and say, well, I'm going to do that in five years, or I'm going to do that when I'm ready, or when I have more money in the bank. That was the takeaway for me. And I think that totally relates back to, um, to the bet on yourself, where I was at a point where I had no clients, you know, I was working for someone in big law and 
I literally had to bet on myself. I was going from a salaried job to a non-salaried where it was only whatever I brought in uh, was my salary. And my husband turned to me and said, you know, when we're thinking about it, I said, what do I don't know what to do? And he goes, well, do you believe in yourself? I said, yeah, I know I could do this. He's like, okay, well then let's bet bet on you, bet on yourself, like, let's do it. So he gets credit for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, Mr. Uh, Francesca. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Adam, he's the best. (laughs) We'll call him that. (laughs) I love it when people, uh, when I talk with women who, speak highly of their husbands like that right who say like he was my biggest supporter or cheerleader or he was the one that inspired me because I think that's really cool I think that sometimes you know we give our you know male counterparts kind of hell sometimes or we complain or whatever but I think it's so refreshing to hear women um talk about their partners that way so big props I have some news. It's official as of today. Um, he was a mortgage banker and he is not going to do mortgages anymore. He's going to be my full-time COO. Oh, cool. Um, and with Witsburg, we're basically, we're, we're building out the platform. We're really going all in on um, our brand. And he is not only like my best friend but he's he's a genius when it comes to business operations and we're really just going to go all in on building the content platform so hopefully five years from now or 10 years from now when we watch this um you know we'll have our own podcast him and i together but it's very exciting that is exciting and that was actually going to be my next question what is next for uh for you and for your overall overall brand so and i'm i'm and i'm i'm kind of like happy that thank you for providing this forum for um lawyers and everyone in the legal industry to talk because there's so much that i want to share with people about my journey that this isn't just you grow a business overnight and everything's beautiful um and so i'm very open about what it takes and what what's actually going on in my life so i need to build it right? It's not built yet. And I was doing all these things. I was doing law school mastermind. I was doing some coaching on the side. I was, you know, and I just realized, stop, focus on one thing that is the most important. And that is protecting businesses with intellectual property and contracts. I cannot tell you how many businesses are either um, getting sued or lose their rights or have to get get into litigation that are spending hundreds of thousands of dollars because they did not do these simple things because they didn't know. And a lot of it is, you know, lawyers have been seen as these intimidating, expensive people. And I mean, literally like at, at my old firm or at some firms, you're in a high tower and like that imagery, it's like, oh my gosh, I have to go visit my fancy lawyer. And so I want to change the narrative and really educate and empower business owners on understanding what IP is, how it is critical to running a business and how it's actually gonna save them way more money down the road whether or not you're a small business or Fortune 500 company. So um, that is my mission. We're going all in on that, building the business. And only once that is, you know, I've scaled it, then hopefully my husband and I can really um, 
do do what's next that may be a podcast that may be courses and uh a course academy that we built out um it'll be funny watching this five years later to see what we actually do (laughs) it will be and i you know i have a feeling that it, it will evolve in the next six months to a year right i mean we're constantly we're constantly evolving in a, and kind of in a state of transformation. So it'll be fascinating to watch you. So let me ask, I know your time is valuable. Francesca, where can people find you? I am again, being intentional. We're going all in on Instagram and TikTok. So on Instagram, I'm the trademark attorney. <laughs> That's easy. You got this. Yes. <laughs> TikTok. I'm lawyer Francesca. Jessica, this was so much fun. I loved learning a little bit more about your journey. And I think it was fascinating, just kind of the importance of, uh, you know, what you said about building your own brand um, at any stage of your career and betting on yourself. I think those are such beautiful gems of wisdom. And it's going to be so fun to um, continue to stalk you on <laughs> on Instagram and, yes. and see how you also evolve over the over the years. It's fun. Oh, thank you. So thank you, Susie. Thank you. And thank you for really creating this space. It's, it's wonderful. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today on Legally Bliss Conversations. If you love this episode and you want to hang out with other inspiring and light gold female attorneys, be sure to join the Legally Bliss community at legallybliss.com. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at Susie Hickson. See you next time.